0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First Union Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Let's pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, our hope and our help, our strength and our salvation. Amen. We've been considering, and many of you have shared thoughts of why you love Jesus. And last week, I forgot to include them until I started preaching. And then it was too late, so we have some extras this morning. And I share them with you. Why I love Jesus. These are in your very own words. He died so we can have forgiveness of sins. And the next one. Oh, I wasn't going to read that out loud. (laughs) He answers prayer. He forgives me for my sins. He surprises me daily in how he was working in and around me. He loves all of us. He has blessed me beyond measure, amen? Why I love Jesus. These people that found Jesus on the other side of the lake, weren't seeking Jesus, they were worried about lunch. And Jesus called them out on it. Just prior to this passage that Neil read, we we hear the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And it was amazing. 5,000 men plus women and children. So maybe 10,000, I don't know, 15,000, a lot of folks with just a little bit. And it says, There were 12 baskets left over. So, not just a little bit, but more than plenty, right? Then we hear the story of the disciples going on ahead. And then Jesus comes walking on the water, and the disciples were scared. And Peter says, Can I play? And Jesus says, Come on. And so he gets out on the water and he's walking and he looks at the waves. And then he starts to sink because he, his fears overtake him, and Jesus pulls him up, and then they come to shore, and the crowds catch up to Jesus. And Jesus calls him out and says, You're not seeking me because you saw something, you're seeking me because you were hungry. But let me tell you what really satisfies. Let me tell you. What really satisfies more than just the belly, but the heart and the mind and the soul. You see, Jesus was concerned about their basic needs. They were in a lonely place. They were hungry. He fed them. When they came back to him the second time, Jesus helped them understand, or tried to, that they had more than physical needs. They have eternal needs. So Jesus told them, "I am the bread of life. everyone who comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty and they were confused by that, little bread, little bee bread, and big bee bread they didn't know they didn't know what he was talking about. What Jesus is saying to us in this passage is that everything Comes from God and everything belongs to God and everything returns to God. Everything comes from God, everything belongs to God, and everything returns to God. So in their confusion, they say, Jesus, show us a sign. What are you going to do? What are you going to conjure? Moses conjured up bread in the wilderness. What can you do? And Jesus said, that wasn't Moses. That was God. And he's pointing out to them that they've missed the sign. That feeding the 5,000 was in fact the sign. You see, they wanted to be in charge of their faith. They wanted to be in charge of belief itself. Show us a sign, and we will weigh the evidence, and we will decide whether or not you're worth believing in. And Jesus extends an invitation that should we accept it and come to Jesus, we will know the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that will provide a satisfaction that is incomparable in this world. This reading is actually for Thanksgiving Day in Canada, October the 14th. When I was studying and planning, reading through the lectionary texts, my Bible software has all of the lectionary texts for all possible celebration days, And I read this one, and I liked it, so I wrote it down in my notes, not knowing, not paying attention to the fact that it was October 14th, Canada, Thanksgiving Day. And then when I looked at my notes and the number of Sundays, I went back and read the other passages and said, I like this one better. And I can't remember which one I threw out, but I threw one out because I like this one better, and I'm the preacher, and I get to do that. And I got to thinking about Thanksgiving with turkey and cornbread dressing. I didn't grow up on cornbread dressing. I didn't have cornbread dressing until we moved to Troop, Texas. Cornbread dressing must come from God. And and cranberries and gravy and mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes, and apple pie, and cherry pie, and pumpkin pie, and pecan pie. Y'all are worried about lunch. Everything comes from God. Everything belongs to God and everything returns to God. And in that post-meal carbohydrate coma we fall into while we try to stay awake to watch football, we know a deeper satisfaction in Christ than we do after Thanksgiving dinner. Earlier, as John tells the story, Jesus and the disciples stopped by a town in Samaria, and the disciples went in to get food. And Jesus was at the well and encountered a woman of ill repute who could only come to the well at noontime in the heat of the day because she was derided and and cast out from her community. And Jesus told her all about herself and offered her life giving water, another example of the confusion of understanding the message of Jesus. And when the disciples came back as she went back to town to testify, where many people believed because of her testimony, the disciples said, and I'll share it in East Texas, Ease, yet? And Jesus said, yeah. They said, who brought you food? He said, I have food you don't know about. My food is to do the will of my Father. And that is the bread of life that Jesus offers us today. And the way that we shape our lives in feasting on that bread is to talk about our baptismal covenant. We've looked at that each Sunday this this month. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. You can help. We will surround one another with a community of love and forgiveness that we may grow in our trust of God and be found in our service to others. Pray for one another that we may be true disciples Who walk in the way that leads to life. Jesus said to the followers and to us Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. To pray for one another. And to be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life means that we participate in community by adding life to one another, by encouraging one another. That is literally placing courage in each other because there is a lot of fear in our lives. We are sometimes still afraid of the dark. And of spiders, and of creeping, crawling things, and of not making friends, and of being left out. And this life to which we are called is to add life to one another, to place peace in one another, to bring value to each other, knowing. That everything comes from God, even all of us, and everyone belongs to God, and everyone returns to God. The way that we do that as followers of Christ is called a membership vow, and United Methodists have a particular way of saying that. We will faithfully participate in the ministries of our congregation by our prayers, Our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Like the woman who went back to town, we will testify that God is good. All the time. Like the followers of Jesus who have received bread, we will help other hungry people find bread. I like the five P's of membership. I promise to pray. I promise to participate, I promise to provide, I promise to perform, I promise to proclaim. guy I met in seminary, Dwight Peterson, middle name was Norman, and this was at the height of the show Cheers, so whenever Dwight came into the room, we all hollered, Norm! Dwight! I don't know how tall Dwight was. He 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 was on a plane trip when he was a senior in high school, and he was struck with a rare condition that caused him to be paralyzed from the neck down. And as it was treated, he ended up just a paraplegic. And so he rolled around in his chair all the time. But he was larger than life, Dwight was. He was um, a preceptor in New Testament class. That's a fancy word for a teaching assistant. When you go to a graduate school, they call them preceptors. He was in the Ph.D. program in New Testament studies, and he helped us all um, make it through introduction to New Testament. More than that, Dwight became a great friend. He liked coffee, and 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 for some work that he was doing for the seminary, they gave him an office at the end of the hall, um, where the copy room was, where I worked, and sometimes he'd roll by and look over the half door and say, I'm making coffee, and we'd say, we're making copies, we'll be right there. And we'd run down and sit and talk with Dwight and have good coffee together. Most of all, Dwight was the champion at Tag It, No Tag Back. My buddy Craig and I came up with that game, and we would play Tag it, no tags back, and that's the only game with people we play because once you play it, it's done. doesn't matter tag it no tags back. there's just two of you no more games among people, right? Well, one Christmas break while Craig and I were working in the coffee room and there weren't any copies to make, and Dwight was visiting family, we took a couple of stacks of sticky notes and tagged Dwight's office. And years later, he called and said, I'm still pulling tags out of books that you tagged. When I got home for Christmas, there were letters from across the nation from people that Dwight knew. Top left corner, it said John, centered in the page it said tag you're it no tags back and the bottom it said dnp more than a friend more than a teacher and professor dwight became my brother we had lunch one day when nobody else was on campus and we only had one lunch between us i happened to be the one to bring it he said you cut it i'll pray So we prayed, and he said, Lord, let this that was intended for one be enough for all. And it was. Years later, I found out that Dwight um, got an infection in his hips, and he was placed on hospice care. And a group called The Work of the People went out to see him much later When he was put on hospice care, and they made a video called Why I Love Jesus.
1: to be true that Jesus was born in Bethlehem a poor child and he was called by God to do things to travel, to heal to speak to tell the truth And I know to be true that Jesus died on the cross for me and for the world. And he was raised from the dead three days later and he ascended to heaven where he sits on the right hand of the Father interceding for me for the world, and he'll come again, and get us. I know these things to be true, and I'm grateful that you asked. Why do you love Jesus? I love Jesus because my mother taught me to. I love Jesus because I've seen His grace in many, many people. I love Jesus because He sent Margaret to me. I love Jesus because my pastor brings me communion every couple of weeks. I love Jesus because my son has a hard head and is a really neat kid. I love Jesus because my parents don't want me to die, but they accept that I will. I love Jesus because my brother and sister travel here regularly from Chicago to visit their dying brother. I love Jesus because the sky is blue. I love Jesus because of the the, uh, the flowers that were on that plant right outside the window. I love Jesus because I've been able to be alive. And I love Jesus because I'm dying.
0: We shared some thoughts of why we all love Jesus. I'd like to share some thoughts of why I love Jesus. I love Jesus because I got to know Dwight. And I know that Dwight is home in heaven today. I love Jesus because Holly and I have gotten to move around and meet such beautiful people, such people who were filled with Christ. Who love Jesus and who love the world and who reach out into the world around them. I love Jesus because we get to talk about real things that matter in life, about shaping and changing lives and reshaping futures for those who don't have hope. I love Jesus because we have built and delivered over 202 beds, and there are 400 more kids. More than that, waiting for more beds. I love Jesus because you love Jesus, and I see Christ in you. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at each of those things of prayers, presents, gifts, service, and witness. And I love Jesus because it's my responsibility to invite our congregation to consider how we will commit to those things in 2020, how we will step forward in faith to see the future clearly, how we will reach more deeply into our lives and into the lives of our community that we might share this one who is the bread of life that we might share the love of this one who is so good to us that we might share Christ with others. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us and you set a table before us, and you welcome us with grace and peace and love. In spite of our fears, in spite of our sin, help us to come to your table, and help us to bring others to your table with us. Give us grace. That as we examine our lives, we may see the surprising ways that you are at work in and around us and among us all. That we might share how good you are with this old world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com dot com